Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Guess what? I'm back. It's me, Chris. I'm so glad to be back, and I'm so glad to be back with my friend Patrick. The bitch is back. Welcome back, Chris. The bitch. (laughs) That was was graceful. Uh, And I'm glad to be back also with my friend Steven. Welcome back, Chris. Hi, everybody. Oh man, I, t- I tell you what, they, they, they said I was dead, but you, you can't keep a good man down. I'm, I'm back in the saddle and I'm ready to talk about more Netflix movies till the end of time. Chris, how, I'm not going anywhere. How upset are you that you missed Death Note and Poltergeist? Oh yeah, so there were some things on Death Note that I wish I had been a part of the conversation for. Uh, you guys talked about The Invisible Man. I think mm-hmm. I might have talked about The Invisible Man on a prior episode briefly. I'm not sure, but suffice to say, I saw it also uh, on VOD. I loved it. Watch it. Great film. Lee Wanell is my my favorite man alive. Uh, whoa, second, whoa, whoa, whoa. Second only. You can say that right. looking at he's, me and Patrick. Rude. He's my, all right. All right. He's my third favorite man alive <laughs> after James Cameron and James oh, Wan. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, anyway, you also um, talked to, uh, he says something, talking about something else on the, on the uh, Death Note episode that slips my mind, but um, uh, Poltergeist. I was kind of glad I wasn't on the Poltergeist episode because my memory of Poltergeist is that I don't really like it, and I would have hated to bring you down on that episode. Um, but maybe I just need to watch it again, and and my uh, my I will learn to love it. So I'm I'm so baffled by that. I'm just so it's hard for me to imagine not enjoying Poltergeist, but. But great work uh, holding down the fort. Uh, I, I enjoyed your discussions, uh, and, and maybe someday I'll watch Poltergeist again and tell you what I think. Uh, but other than that, um, what the hell's been going on? Uh, have you guys watched any horror stuff lately? Read any horror books? Played any horror games? Listened to any horror music? Dude, I've been fucking binging shit. I'm like in full swing october halloween horror insanity right now not gonna go over every single damn thing that i've watched recently but the two things that i do want to touch on are i watched death becomes her for the first time and that was a oh, blast I love that movie. oh it's so ridiculous and fun and campy and over the top and i'm sure everybody listening to this has probably seen it before but i had not and i had a great time with it um, and I also had an amazing time, almost to my surprise, perhaps even to my chagrin, with Aliens versus no Alien, Alien versus Predator. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Alien franchise, of course. I've always been perversely fascinated by the Alien versus Predator uh, team up. I love those monster mashup kind of concepts, like the old, you know, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, or uh, you know, wh- whatever, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice fuck that movie by the way but uh <laughs> alien versus predator great great film fuck you i 
was, you know, I, I watched the first half hour and here's my secret. I fell asleep for a half hour in the middle of it, woke back up, felt like I had missed absolutely nothing and woke up at the perfect moment for the aliens and predators to just be absolutely at each other's throats. It was 40 minutes of stupid fun insanity and i had a great time with it and i honestly am so excited to watch aliens versus predator requiem so that's my highbrow horror experience of the last two weeks twice you've said aliens versus predator by mistake and i think you may have answered my question but i just want clarity are there multiple aliens and multiple predators are there multiple aliens and one predator this is a great question this is a great question so the first one is just called alien versus predator but that's misleading because there are multiple aliens for sure and definitely multiple predators as well. The sequel is called Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, which seems to suggest, a la the transition from Alien to Aliens in the original franchise, that, oh, we're up in the stakes by bringing some more aliens in. But it doesn't really have any meaning because, again, there's like hordes of fucking aliens and an alien queen and everything in the first Alien wow. vs. Predator. So, yeah. I, when you said upping the stakes, I was going to say it sounds like they're uh, reducing the quality of the film by referring to aliens <laughs> in the sequel. Ayo. <laughs> but uh, Ridley Scott is, uh, you know, teasing his return to the to the Alien franchise oh, yes. in some form or another. So what? maybe we'll maybe we'll get Aliens versus Predators versus Davids. Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> what is he saying, or what is this tease? I, I missed um, this. He, oh, he, he's been very cryptic about oh. it. He said something like, "Yeah, yeah. he's going to return, but he doesn't know what it's going to be like, and he kind of feels like he's gassed out on the storyline he was setting up with Prometheus and, and Alien Covenant." Um, oh my god! Can't imagine why. He'll, he'll, it may be a, maybe a follow-up to that, or it may be something completely new, or it may never get made. You can't tell. There's no making sense of this interview. Oh, I pray for a follow-up to Alien Covenant. I genuinely loved that film, and I, I really hope that we get a conclusion to what I call the David's saga. Well, don't we all? But, uh... <laughs> Steven doesn't. I have one horror thing to talk about from the last week. I wasn't going to mention this because I was trying to get Patrick to see it, but I feel like, you know, I brought it up a couple of times. I might really have to pitch this one to get him to finally watch it. Uh, so I watched uh, this uh, Shutter original that's been getting a lot of buzz called Scare Me a couple of days ago and essentially uh this is mostly a two-hander it's about like kind of a hack horror writer he's got some personal problems that are sort of murky in the beginning of the film but he goes out to stay in a cabin and he's gonna he's gonna write you know his horror novel and he doesn't really have an idea for one he has on his laptop when he opens it up when when he gets there it says werewolf and then a couple of paragraph breaks revenge question mark uh and he's just kind of a dipshit like he doesn't really know much about horror he doesn't really know what he's doing but he's just decided he's going to be a horror writer he happens to meet a famous horror writer who was actually chris you'll appreciate this he heard her on terry gross discussing her latest novels she's staying in the cabin across the way is terry gross in this movie She's not in this movie, unfortunately. Ah. Her spirit is felt throughout. And, uh, you know, to kind of classic 
it's I should say this is a comedy and I don't usually like horror comedy but this one really worked for me on a lot of levels uh, with a few exceptions that we can get into when either of you watches this at some point we can bring it back up but the power goes out the famous horror writer comes over uh, they start a fire they're going to keep each other company and and the famous horror writer uh, her idea is they're going to keep each other entertained by playing a game of scare me she realizes this guy is a hack and she wants to have some fun seeing if he can actually just trying to pick his brain and see if he actually does have an imagination so they take turns telling stories to each other to try and scare each other and the film really cleverly um makes it makes the stories come to life in small ways while you're really just looking at two people in a cabin there's you know little details that come up as they give descriptions you know like you'll see like the the guy's hand become a werewolf hand for a moment or something just to like illustrate the fact that they're both imagining there's actually a werewolf in the cabin acting out the sequence of events and it's pretty funny it's it's got kind of a Judd Apatow sense of humor that I was so worried all throughout would put me off and it never really did. I actually got some gut laughs out of it. It was really sincere, kind of cute. It goes to some weird topical territory in the third act that I wasn't fully on board for, but I I would highly recommend this regardless. It's it's a, it's a wild ride and just kind of a I'd never heard of either of the actors that star in this thing. They're both amazing. They just give virtuosic performances because it's just the two of them, and they have to be funny and scary at the same time. Um, so Scare Me, exclusive to Shudder. Check it out. That's a good pitch. Hell of a pitch. Maybe I'll watch it someday. <laughs> Who are we kidding? All right, so what are we here to talk about this week, guys? Well, we're here to talk about a little movie from Peru called Sinister Circle, and this is uh, was chosen for us by our Wheel of Death, our cyber wheel. Every Netflix horror movie loaded into the random wheel. Um, if fair, only it could have stopped wheel. like a notch north and, and given us Sinister instead of Sinister Circle. Well, we didn't got we already sin- do Sinister, or was <sighs> that no. Insidious? You always mix those up. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do. Yeah, Sinister Circle. It's a movie from Peru. It's subtitled. It's in Spanish. So, you know, some people are turned off by that. I'm not. Um, But it is about a woman who is a uh, psychiatrist and she has a bad outcome with one of her patients. Uh, She finds out that her estranged mother has been institutionalized um, in Peru. She she works out in Mexico City. Yeah. Uh, She goes down there with her little... uh, son uh Julio. peru's answer to uh uh, uh Jake, to jacob tremblay <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a stretch <laughs> and uh he's which he's, one banku or jacob tremblay jacob, jacob tremblay banku's got a little bit more baby fat like julio i think <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, he's mute for some reason that's never really explained and so he does a lot of talking uh, on his iPad he, he'll like oh. type something out dude I mean he has he has uh, like post traumatic mutism like fucking little Jamie in Halloween 4 or whatever it yeah, is yeah and it's not really yeah. explained what happened uh, to, to cause that trauma um, but well yeah because this is the second installment in a series we should mention that is it sure Oh, what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, what? dude. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you didn't, I had oh, no you, idea. Oh, you did not listen to the Poltergeist episode because we learned this at the end of the Poltergeist episode. How the fuck was I supposed to know that? I mean, I, well, I mean, just because there's so much stuff in it where it continually refers back to events that happened in the past. And I mean, I, I, I could see how you could watch this and sort of just understand that to be like self-contained within the text of this as a standalone movie but there's so much where it's just like clearly referring back i mean i assume that the opening scene of this takes place at the end of the previous movie oh god that, that... i was thinking the same thing but i chose not to read anything about the previous installment and just let this sit on its own and i think for the most part it works but there are some pretty important details like the selective mutism that just don't get explained you had to be there I but guess. i didn't really need it to be explained i was fine going in cold not knowing that this was not a standalone movie um which is, is shocking news to me um i didn't feel like i was missing that much uh there i by the time the movie ended i was like wait a minute what was that about what was that about what was that about a lot of unanswered questions but if um for the most part i could follow along you know what you need to know you got this family the kids had a trauma he's he's mute uh, they move into the childhood home of our heroine uh which is an apartment in an apartment building with a whole cast of odd middle-aged to senior citizen friends question mark hanging around and Very rosemary's baby like yeah. uh the tenant's repulsion like yeah you immediately get the sense that like these people all seem nice but there's something evil lurking beneath the surface right and so there was something that happened in a cemetery where a bunch of teenagers got killed and then doing an occult ritual and our our hero's mother was somehow involved uh the mother is in a hospital and so basically our heroine is there to like figure out what's going on with her mother uh you know bond with her child maybe investigate the crazy cemetery ritual murders that occurred maybe at the end of the last movie um you know and just kind of create some stability and and maybe heal herself a little bit from the loss of her patient back in mexico okay so what happened in the cemetery and i and this this is in the text of the movie i I actually didn't look up anything about the preceding installment either because i in the past when we've been dropped into the middle of a franchise we've kind of agreed to just do that and kind of take the the installment on its own terms and see how it sits without having previous knowledge um Mm -hmm. but what happened in the cemetery was some it appears like young young women, teenage girls, I don't know, young women, were messing around with a Ouija board. And it killed at least one of them, some of them, all of them. And one of them was our protagonist's cousin, I believe, right? Myra? Yes. Okay, yeah. So that's what happened in the cemetery. And uh, our protagonist's mom was present for this and is fucking traumatized by it and is just a shell of a human in a hospital after this has all happened so we kind of get tropes on tropes on tropes in this movie a little bit yeah you know we got the institutionalized person tropes uh we've got the uh haunted apartment tropes we've got the kids home alone seeing weird shit tropes uh we got the devil worshiper tropes um but there was something kind of cozy to me about 
all those tropes. I like the familiarity of the stuff. And, and also it kind of, I thought that scene to scene, whether or not the movie works as a whole, I don't know, but, but scene to scene, I thought that everything was kind of well executed. The acting I thought was really good. Um, and then, you know, you have these little scary moments. It deftly avoids the one thing I hate in a horror movie, which is like someone just walking around in the dark for a long time, waiting for something spooky to happen. Like there's scares, there's spooks, there's a lot of, jump scares and it's no insidious but i thought everything was kind of set up pretty well and then uh had elements that i hadn't seen before so we need to talk about the jump scares because i was texting with patrick about this and they are extreme how are you able to text without just dropping your phone on the floor every oh my phone is in pieces it's shattered after i had had my cat on my lap and i felt bad for her because i was like i was trying to keep it together but you know cats can tell when your when your heart skips a beat well it's so so there's like a couple of things one i felt like the jump scare sounds were so loud in contrast to the mix of the rest of the movie which is not uncommon in horror films but it was like extreme to a degree i haven't really experienced in a while it's kind of like if you're watching you know cable tv and like the commercials are calibrated to be like three times as loud as the content you're trying to watch but they also felt like weirdly timed and edited where like the sound didn't come at the moment i felt the scary visual did exactly I kind of liked everything except the spooky stuff in this movie. I I thought the performances were excellent. Most of them felt pretty natural to me, and I felt at least fairly invested in these characters. But yeah, there was just like nothing scary in the movie to me, and especially like a lot of those jump scare moments just felt like there was... You could see what they were going for, but it just felt like there was something very subtly, like very subtly, not not bad, not outright bad, but it just felt like there was something subtly off where it just failed to land. And I was, nothing in this scared me at all. Even the jump scares didn't didn't startle me. I was just like fucking flatlining through this. The horror to me felt half-hearted. Like it genuinely felt like the filmmakers were more interested in the characters and in the story than they were in actually scaring you, which I admire. Yeah. And it made those moments where it tries to be scary kind of fall flatter than they would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not really a scary movie. It's it's not like a dark song. God bless a dark song. It's it's almost Halloween. You should watch a dark song if you haven't yet. But it, it's, it's not, not on like, Netflix, though. How are they going to see it? You might have to buy it. <laughs> um, anyway, it's not terrifying like like basically this movie gives you a very abrupt jump scare in its opening scene or it's uh i guess there's two opening scenes but very early on in the movie and it kind of primes you for like okay this is the jump scare movie so in the spooky scenes am i afraid like viscerally for the characters or, or because the situation is eerie no but i'm bracing for the jump scare and that makes me nervous and scared and it kind of works that way i don't know i'm I, i'm fascinated to hear that it worked that way for you it, it did not for me but there was enough i was interested enough in the performances and the characters to keep me through it it felt like a, just a good cozy 
Halloween lifetime movie. You know, I wanted to just put on a big, you know, kind of cable sweater and drink a pumpkin spice latte and just like turn my brain off for a while. Yeah, and, and that's what's comfortable. Had a very cozy about vibe it. to it. You you can turn your brain off. It's it's things that you've seen before. You don't have to think real hard. You kind of know where it's going. Yeah, just 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 relax. Enjoy it. Enjoy the little creeps. I want to revisit, though, the topic of, uh, you know, sort of the connective tissue between the movie and its predecessor. And it's interesting to me, Chris, that you said you didn't feel lost at all. And I'm wondering how much my feeling of being lost was just informed by the fact that I did know that it was a sequel because I was just constantly like, wait, what? I was I was reeling to figure figure out what had happened in the previous movie, where these characters had come from, what the fuck was going on, what had happened with the Ouija board. Uh, I was I was very confused. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, my philosophy is to like look up as little as possible these movies, and I think it I'm vindicated today um, because it it certainly left me with questions, but. I felt like I knew everything I needed to know. Here's what I knew. I knew, okay, a bunch of teenagers died in a cemetery during some occult ritual. There was this old woman involved who has a Ouija board who is our hero's mother. Now she's institutionalized. We know she's got a Ouija board somewhere. She's obviously involved in the occult somehow. Um, how is this going to connect? It, like A lot of my questions were like, how is this going to connect to this other story thread? When really the question was, how is this connected to the previous movie? Like, like, like this movie wasn't tying together the plot threads because it wasn't supposed to, like it was, it was building on top of another movie. Apparently I I, want to add to that, Chris, in that I, it wasn't until about halfway through this movie that I remembered that we had learned on the poltergeist episode that it was a sequel to another film and I didn't really have any problems following it either. I mean, there there were a couple of threads that didn't quite make sense, like the the selective mutism. But like, at a, after a while, I just kind of accepted that and wasn't really looking for answers. I was I able was to like, tell what was going on pretty easily. I was like, what's the mom's business with this Ouija board? What's the family's connection to this Ouija board? What kind of dark business is the mom into? That was a question that I never really got an answer to, and that frustrated me. I assume it's answered in the first movie, but I just I was intrigued by that element of it. I was really thrown off because that opening scene so clearly does, uh, or, or so I would assume, pick up from the final scene of the preceding movie. And I was just like, wait, what happened? Like, well, what happened in this cemetery? What's with the Ouija board? And then also because we get introduced to uh, Fernanda, our, our protagonist, patient so early on, I assumed that he was like a victim of the situation from the previous movie and that he was going to be a character of much greater import, but he commits suicide super early on. He doesn't commit suicide. He gets murdered by demons. Yeah. Does he? (laughs) Well, it depends on how you look at it. Well, yeah, I think everyone concludes that he commits suicide, but he was murdered by demons. Well, whatever. (laughs) He dies very soon. And so I think, I I don't know, my, my... I was very just mentally thrown off by all that because I'm trying in my head to kind of like patch together the whatever happened in the first movie and in between. And I was just going in the wrong direction, I guess. This this might um, 
speak to the most bizarre section of this movie uh, for me, which is uh, about halfway through or a little bit more, there is a just gratuitous, like, semi-nude bathtub scene with a character you've never fucking seen before (laughs) in the rest of the movie. She does show up once before that. Does she? Yeah, they're like... I forget. She's being interviewed or something. She definitely shows up. Oh, on TV. That. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I assume she's a returning character from the first movie. Um, she's in a very bad wig and large glasses. We'd never seen her. We've never seen her before. It's, it's just like cut to like this woman disrobing in a bathroom and like taking a bath and i'm like what's going on here um yeah knowing that this is not the only movie in the series uh makes sense that's just like let's tie up that that thread from the previous movie that's great but like like having this approach to seeing it again like having known at some point that it's a sequel but having forgotten i was just like oh i mean i don't know who this person is but you know, it is about time for there to be some TNA in this movie. If this is, you know, this kind of horror film, I just like rolled with it. Well, that's how it, that's how it felt to me. But I was yeah. shocked that it would be a character <laughs> that had literally not like been in the story at all. Other than, I guess, on TV. I, I do remember that now that Patrick said something. So, I don't know. Crazy film. Um, so, OK, the most perplexing thing about all this to me and, and, you know, I am fully aware I may have just missed reading a line of subtitled dialogue or something that explained this. But who were Kiroga and Rosa? Like, what were what were? Who? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember character <laughs> names. You got to give me some more details. The, the old couple at the house. The, at her at her old house are they related to her like what is her relationship to them they've got to be relatives i think that's her like aunt maybe relatives or just maybe old people who were their neighbors when they were growing up or something okay I, so you I guys don't know. don't know either oh i don't know but, they, they, okay. but they, they it was clear enough to me that they have like a familial type bond yeah I mean, obviously that, like, yes she trusts, i was just trying to figure out what it was or if i missed them stating what the bond was i i, I really i don't think you missed anything because i and now that i'm thinking back on my experience like i just assumed that that she grew up around them, you know, and enough so that she she trusts Julio in uh, in Rosa's uh, under Rosa's watch. Yeah, um, I don't think there's really much significance in that relationship, though. But I can understand why you would have that question because it is the kind of thing that would be explained in any other movie. I was trying to figure it out at length. How long is this length you're talking about? I mean, basically the entire time they were in the movie, which is most of the movie. Wow, that's long. Yeah, I I don't I just um I, I'm not saying like I, I understand why you would feel that way, but I for some reason just let this movie hit me on its level and I was like, Okay, these guys are tight and that's good enough for me. It didn't really make a difference to me if they were aunt and uncle or grandpa and grandpa or or neighbor and neighbor or landlord and and wife or or whatever but i like that you just posited that there could be gay grandparents in this movie <laughs> could be um yeah I, I had a similar experience i was just like all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna roll with it i have i have enough of a sense of like how these people feel around each other and how they relate to each other 
no big deal. We have more of a sense of who they are and how they relate to each other than our heroine does. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> creepy shit's going on. She's like, oh, so we have a Ouija board that just burns people's flesh. Oh, hey, you have a weird burn on your hand. How did you get it? And she's like, oh, you know, sometimes it just be like that. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and she doesn't really catch on until it's too late that maybe there's some Rosemary's Baby shit going on. Um, and it's, I have to say, I did find it weird that she didn't catch on sooner because she seems pretty savvy. I mean, she's... Um, like in her profession, she's very inquisitive and very skeptical. You know, she's almost like anti-medicine <laughs> in, in a couple of scenes in this movie. Like, like she's very much a person who's like always looking for answers, always like struggling to find the truth. And she misses like all this like fucking obvious shit that's going on right under her nose. It almost became frustrating to me at some point. Uh, you know, isn't that a thing? Like, you know, sometimes you have someone who is, uh, uh, so so into their work, so into their professional discipline, they they miss. It's like uh, the relationship coach who doesn't see that his wife is cheating on him. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about with this movie, but uh, I it all involves spoilers. So, <laughs> is it is it time? Do we have other things to say before we review this damn thing, dude? The only thing I'll say additionally that I just realized because I glanced at my notes trying to remember what I had to say about this movie was uh, the actual title of this movie translates to Sinister Game and not oh. Sinister Circle, like the Spanish title, which I found interesting. So what the that hell is the, what the hell was the title of the original? That's what I mean. It was Sinister Game. No, the, the original movie in the franchise. Oh, it's something about like a cemetery or something. Like the word cemetery, it's like cemeterio is in sinister the title. cemetery. Yeah, something. I, I, I don't think the word sinister is in it. Are you kidding? Me? If, if there was a trailer for a horror movie and it was just two minutes of the word sinister cemetery on a screen with like some music <laughs> behind it, I'd go see that shit. <laughs> oh, I'd be there opening night, first screening. Sinister Cemetery, directed by James Wan. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Starring Lee Winnell. <laughs> Jesus. Produced by James Cameron. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's let's review it, and then we'll go down and talk spoilers. Uh, Chris, since you, you haven't been around in a while, why don't you go first? It's been a long time <laughs> since I... have been around in a while. It, it's been a long time since I gave a rating, and um, this might be controversial, but I'm going to give this a cue it. Um, it was, you know, I, I kind of told you how I felt about it before. It was it good? No, but scene to scene, I thought it did a lot of things right. There were some fun moments, um, some spooky stuff, just stuff you've seen before, but maybe not presented exactly this way. Uh, that I thought was interesting. Uh, the last act is kind of fun kind of a trip especially when you have no context for anything <laughs> um so i enjoyed it i i i wouldn't say you should go out of your way to watch it by any means but there you know we've seen a lot of shit on netflix uh this is not close to the bottom of the barrel so if you've watched uh everything that you need to watch on netflix and you want another horror movie uh you could do worse so i'll say cue it okay uh, patrick uh it's a screw it for me i i like i said there there are certainly things i liked about this movie but it does not even close to add up to something that i could uh recommend someone even consider watching fairly dull experience for me overall steven 
Um, it's a screw it. It's not a. It's not like a hard hateful screw it, but a screw it is a screw it. There's much more queuable stuff on Netflix, I think, even that we've reviewed recently. You know, it's it's like Chris. I, I'll second what Chris said. You know, it moved. It was a movie. Like I, I followed it. I watched it. I felt kind of cozy while while viewing it. But you know, it, it just it was all too familiar. It just kind of follows a lot of tropes that we're used to. Again, I don't know what the horror scene looks like in Peru. Maybe this movie played better to people more familiar with what's coming out of of Peru. Uh, but then again, maybe not, because this also has really bad reviews on IMDb. And, and there seem to be some reviews from uh, people who saw this, uh, you know, in, in other countries as well. So it, it's a screw it. Not a terrible movie. If you, if you, if you happen to cue it you'll only be mildly disappointed, I think. You know, it's not the worst waste of your time I can think of. Yeah, it's not a screw it with prejudice at all. It's just like, yeah, like I said already, it's just not something I can recommend anybody spend time on. It, it's it's hard to give a view it to any movie that like, um, without being self-aware, has a newspaper headline that reads something like, Men wearing robes kidnap eight-year-old girl <laughs> or something. You said it's hard to give a view it to that? Yeah, it's hard to give a view it to that if it's if it's not done knowingly. <laughs> oh. tongue in cheek. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that seems like it's kind of right up your alley. It is right up my alley, but it would have yeah. to be, it would have to know what it was doing. It would yeah. have to be a Ty West movie. Probably. Yeah. Oh, God yeah. bless Ty West. Is he even in the game anymore? We should, no, we should interview not him. lately. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're supposed to right. interview him about Cabin Fever 2. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so that's that's our reviews. Um, we're going to go down to the spoiler room and, and, and see what sort of mysteries come out of the ancestral Ouija board and, and kind of how this all ends up. I'll tell you, I was I was shocked and surprised a couple times. By the, by the end of this movie, and, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear about it. And, and maybe there you was will be one too. shocking moment for me. I will agree there. But uh, yes, yeah, so if you want to know what the shocks and, and spills are, come on down to the spoiler room. Um, uh, if not, you know uh, you can still have a good time. You can go to our website. You can buy our T-shirt in the merch store. You can go. What to, is our website? Uh, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Uh, you can bookmark it, make it your homepage so it loads up every morning. Uh, you can go to our Facebook, you can go to our Twitter, you can go to our Instagram, you can follow us, you can leave us a, a review, tell us if you think we're doing a good job or not. You can tell us what you thought of Sinister Circle. Hey, maybe maybe you live in Peru and you saw the first one and, and you have some exciting context to share we love that shit send us all that shit uh, if you don't have anything to do though uh, with that you can just you know not do anything except listen to the episode or follow us down the spoiler room I lost my train of thought I'm gonna die we're easy easy. hey where would they find us on social media Amoncast on all platforms E-H-M-O-N cast thank you Patrick you know I've been gone too long you got you putting the training wheels on the bike for me I really appreciate it Uh, you're welcome so uh, come on down to the spoiler room if you want us to spoil everything or not. The choice, as always, is yours for those who are brave enough to get the spoilers. See you soon. <laughs>Welcome back. We are down in the spoiler room, ready to spoil everything about Sinister Circle. 
And, uh, man, I don't even know where to begin. There's so many twists and turns. Uh, Are there, though? Well, key to the resolution of this movie, I think there's two or three main plot developments here. Uh, We have a reporter who's been hanging around the hospital dying to get an interview with our hero's mother. Alejandro. Ali Alejandro. Ali Alejandro. Dude, honestly, Alejandro was, like, my favorite character in this. Oh, he was the J of this movie, for sure. Oh, like, yeah. Because he's oh, that's, just, like... That's perfect. He's like, he's, like, the most... Like, he... I I just love movies that, like, celebrate journalism and make it look like the heroic profession <laughs> that it is. And he Hell was, yeah. like, such a fucking, like, renegade. He's running around. He's, you know, checking out leads. He's, he's stalking he's got a, cemeteries. He's got a revolver in his bag. He's got a dead hand because he touched a Ouija board once. <laughs> yeah. I just also found the actor very charismatic. And, and as we've said, I think there are some pretty strong actors and good performances in this. But he especially stood out to me as just a very, like, one of those people who just has sort of an immediate gravitas and charisma to him as soon as he showed up. So long story short, uh, we find out that the mother actually isn't crazy but no. um, all the people at the hospital are are keeping her drugged up and yeah. trying to use her to uh, do devil worship shit that only you she mean, can unlock the powers of. You mean Fernando's mother? We should just be clear because I mean, yeah. obviously, our protagonist is also a mother. Oh, that's true. That's true. Fernanda um, is the protagonist. So, for so those who Fer- aren't following along, F- Fernanda is uh, also told by the reporter that yeah there's like there's we got devil worshipers around here that's what happened at the cemetery long story short everyone's a devil worshiper they have a grand conspiracy to take fernanda's mother uh use her to access a ouija board uh use fernanda's mute son as a sacrificial child on a yeah. demon altar they in order children. to raise yeah. moloch who is again not the devil himself but you know one of the devil's underbosses that we see so often in these horror movies one of the devil's advocates he's the paymon of this movie yes he's paymon as fuck and um (laughs) so you know we we get some great scenes where uh you know moloch appears in the flesh in the apartment block for some reason uh in silhouette i thought that was very fun he seems like weirdly powerless too because like Fernando's able to get like get away from him and like hide behind a door like pretty easily from what yeah, I remember. He, yeah. <laughs> but maybe he wasn't fully uh developed because he, he had didn't been have the latest sacrifice sufficiently. Yeah. Um, I mean honestly, like Alejandro is kind of our exposition machine for the preceding film because he's the one who finally kind of explains to us what all went down before. And it does come fairly I mean it's already what, halfway probably halfway through the film. I want to say, though, like really quickly on that point, yes, that is the function that he serves, but I think this movie stands alone well enough as it is because the way things have proceeded so far, I just kind of expected an exposition dump. I didn't even need to know that there was a previous film, you know, to want to get answers to what this cult is about. You Um, expected an exposition dump even just thinking that this was a standalone film? Yeah, because it's not like a terribly like you know interestingly written film. It seems like pretty pretty kind of by the book. You know, again we t- we keep talking about Rosemary's Baby. You know, we need we need we need 
we need somebody to to kind of step in and sort of uh yeah just sort of draw attention to the supernatural and away from the uh what our protagonist is focused on which is mental health and medicine and I'm not sure if you all need to stop comparing things to Rosemary's Baby or if movies just need to stop ripping off Rosemary's Baby. I mean, I guess I guess I can see I, I can see the Rosemary's Baby connection. It just certainly wasn't the first thing that came to mind. I mean, you are in a oh, you are in an apartment building. There are evil people who are trying to lull our protagonists into a false sense of security and actually want to use her for fucking. Uh, demonic purposes they want to actually use her child to raise the devil yeah it's 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 some rosemary's baby shit it's rosemary's baby it's a little bit the omen i mean it's not to say that like you can't do anything interesting it's not like rosemary's baby is like the i mean ira levin's novel is like pretty groundbreaking i think in like focusing on a female protagonist in the way that he did but like you know, it, there's a reason people still talk about that movie. It's still an influence. Um, I'm sure it was an influence in this movie. Is this a beat by beat, you know, rip off of Rosemary's Baby? Hell, fucking no. There's all kinds of other stuff going on here. But just as like a cultural touchstone, I think it makes perfect sense. But the exposition dump, you know, it doesn't really work whether this movie is a sequel or not. Because what what the hell is this movie? Is it? It's if it has a storyline, it's basically a mystery. It's like, what's going on with mom? What's going on? Unless we're just supposed to know all that from the first movie, in which case I don't know what the story is. Like, so what I'm trying to say is it's not satisfying to have a mystery that we're trying to figure out. And the mystery is only resolved because a supporting character shows up and is like, let me tell you what's going on here. That's, that's a lazy way to do it. It makes sense if we already were supposed to know that stuff from the previous movie, but then I don't know what we were supposed to be thinking about the whole time we were watching this movie, other than, uh, is there going to be one ghost or two ghosts in the kid's bedroom tonight? And I'm, I'm, I, I will say, you know, I'm, I may be coming at this from a different angle than, than you guys, but like, I think a good sequel, especially if it isn't like a serialized series where it's like, you know, Sinister Circle 1, Sinister Circle 2, where, like, you you go in knowing that this is, like, you know, it's kind of anthologized. Like, I think a good sequel also kind of stands on its own in some ways, and you can kind of figure things out. You can figure out who the characters are and the relationships without having seen the previous film necessarily. And for the most part, I feel like this movie did function on that level. It just doesn't have a story. Yeah, it doesn't have a story. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, no, it does have a story. It's just really clumsy in the way that it approaches it, right? Like, I, I think, like, the, the clearly we have, like, a, a, you know, a mother and her son, both of whom have experienced trauma. The mother, uh, Fernanda, is being is kind of put in a, a unique position to try and reunite with her mother who is in this mental hospital and she's trying to you know sort of reestablish their relationship which is complicated by the fact that there are supernatural goings on and her mother is drugged up that's really interesting and yeah. i think and she's also she's also ju- got the mute son who she's trying to connect with and get him to talk again because apparently right. he's capable of talking he just chooses not to so you're waiting for that catharsis the whole movie and that's enough drama that the movie should, and for the most part, does kind of stand on its own. Um, but then it gets really lazy with with the the journalist character, who I loved. I felt like he was a breath of fresh air. Um, but but 
things are just kind of like things happen very quickly and haphazardly after he starts to take on a, a larger role. Yeah, he story. says, listen, here, let me give you the real deal. Everyone's trying to raise Moloch around here. This is bad news bears. And our hero says, all right, well, that explains why my crazy mom was screaming Moloch at me. And then my <laughs> my my favorite scene, my favorite scene in the whole movie is she's like up at night going over her medical charts. She's highlighting yes. different drugs on the paper. And it's like... Yeah, it's shot in a way where like what's special about this paper and then like as she's highlighting something it says like Moloch 0.5 milligrams oh does it oh yeah you didn't notice that yeah. i just i i zeroed in on zoloft like once i once i saw her highlight zoloft and she starts freaking out i was like yeah zoloft can really fuck you up Been no there. it changes to zoloft but, but she she oh. sees it at first as moloch 0.5 milligrams oh, that's and fucking, she, oh she i want to go back and rewatch out. this whole movie now she does a double take and it's zoloft but it's like oh my god that she was about to prescribe 0.5 milligrams of moloch Dude, that moment had big Chris energy. <laughs> it was amazing. Very pizza it. face killer. Yeah. That was my favorite. That was my favorite uh, scene. That was iconic. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna rip that off or something. Amazing. Got to remember anyway. that for our year end extravaganza. So she's like, okay, here's the deal. We're getting the fuck out of here, especially because she just saw Moloch in the flesh, like in the well, the fucking stairwell in her apartment building. She's like, okay, right. all right, kid, we uh, we gotta get out of here. We gotta go back to Mexico City. Uh, one of the kindly neighbors finds them as like, oh, no, you can't go back to Mexico City. It's the boy, little boy's birthday. He's turning eight. We were going to have a great, like, boomer birthday party for him. And they're like, all right, well, we can't go back to Mexico City because we've ruined the birthday party. So let's suffer through this birthday party. So we have a really awkward birthday party where they're all outside. They're, they're putting, like, creepy owl jewelry on the little boy. The little boy is having fun, maybe. I don't know. It's a bunch of old people, like, who barely know him, giving him weird weird gifts and showering him with attention and uh fernandez like we gotta get the fuck out of here she's on the phone with journalist badass who is breaking into the hospital because (laughs) oh yeah that was a funny detail it's like how did you just get into this fucking hospital and get into this woman's room to set her free this reporter has been trying to get into the hospital to interview this woman the whole fucking movie but now that the plot requires it he's able to just drive up not only (laughs) enter the hospital but break the mother out of her cell (laughs) with um i guess because the hospital staff has all left to go put their robes on to prepare for the child sacrifice (laughs) um so mother and reporter get in the car uh they get swarmed by i guess hospital staff and assorted devil worshipers who want to stop them our hero pulls out the gun this is what we've been waiting for all movie we've got Chekhov's gun in his bag the whole movie he's ready to shoot somebody he pulls out the gun but they just like stab him in the chest and and take the mother and and that's that he dies he he dies a coward's death that was a legitimately creepy moment was when he was getting in the car with the mom and all of a sudden he like looks in the rearview mirror and there's this crowd of people in like black clothing yeah marching towards the car that was actually unsettling to me that was one of two scary moments in the movie for me well at this point i'm like i what i wanted was i i hated these neighbors I knew they were up to no good. I I just wanted the easy easy ending. I wanted journalist hero and mom to to drive 
escape the hospital, drive to the birthday party, pick up the people, go to the airport. Maybe the journalist would shoot five or six people. And I was going to have a great time with this movie. Uh, no, journalist dies. It's not going to be that easy. Instead, everyone gets kidnapped. They get taken to, to Satan Worshipper HQ in like a crypt or something. They have a sacrificial altar. They got the boy tied up. They're going to... They got this ancestral Ouija board that burns everybody's hands, but our hero and her family, I guess, are immune to it. They're the only people who can harness the power. So then the Fernanda's mother becomes like a demon priest. Uh, and it's, it's unclear to what degree she's consenting to be a demon priest. Everyone else is a hostage. I don't know what happens, guys. She goes crazy. She turns into a demon. The mother does. She starts levitating. And then she decides, oh, actually, maybe I shouldn't like kill my grandson today. So she instead takes the sacrificial dagger, stabs the Ouija board, which is the one way to just literally blow up everybody. And that's her so, movie. <laughs> so how yeah. I read... Oh, that's not your whole movie. <laughs> it's not but, your whole uh, movie, but it's almost your whole movie. So how I read that was she was possessed by the demon whatever, and she was going to kill Julio and Fernanda. Moloch. You say his name. Moloch. <laughs> you you have been mispronouncing his name. Moloch. 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 It is Moloch. <laughs> Patrick is right. All right. Moloch. Um, Moloch. Um, it's actually for, unpronounceable. It's kind of like Cthulhu, you know. It's, it's, yeah. the, the interpretation varies on the speaker. But Fernanda appeals to her, and I think kind of breaks through the demonic whatever bullshit, and the mom <laughs> kind of throws off the, the the spell or whatever. But this did bring the one other moment that I mean didn't scare me, but it was a gross out moment when she's just in full like Moloch mode, sicko mode, and just like fucking like syrup is just spilling out of her mouth and it spills onto julio and i was like oh, oh yeah that's disgusting yeah good gross out stuff sure some uh sam raimi shit going on sure so, so that's your movie was there a sequel to this well wait there know? was there was that's not don't forget movie. the falling action yeah <laughs> i mean it's, I, I told you guys at the beginning i don't remember the last 15 minutes of this the movie at all explodes they're like they're like hold on don't stab the ouija board please don't it'll blow up the whole devil worship thing we got going on so she stabs the ouija board our heroes uh fernanda and the little boy run out of the crypt the crypt explodes uh and then it's like later in mexico city and they're like you know have an apartment uh the boy's still not talking which <laughs> was like i thought he'd be talking by now well he is talking because fernanda leaves the room we see from the boy's point of view that he's in Mexico city at his home now with like not one, not two, but like three or four little child ghosts. I've seen the only been, from the waist down. Like their yeah. feet are just around him. We've seen yeah. him playing with his car as his mom is talking to him. He won't talk. She walks away. And all of a sudden we see that he's surrounded by ghosts. Who's like child ghosts, previous child see. sacrifices, I guess yeah. um, the same ghosts who have been haunting him all movie. Yeah. And he speaks, he says something, but what he says is so inconsequential and dumb that I cannot tell you what he says. Oh, it's something like, you know, don't worry, mom. It's just like a, it's just an ominous, like kind of all-purpose ominous statement it's like, like, yeah, like Moloch probably has control over this kid and all is not well it's almost time or, or yeah. who, who knows it could have been anything but it was uh, not the catharsis I was waiting for to hear this little boy talk is he yeah, possessed it's I don't unnecessarily know. nihilistic 
You know, I liked the final shot of this movie. It was creepy. I liked the just the like child ghost feet standing around him and him creepily staring into the camera. I liked it. All right, I'm glad one of us did. <laughs> <laughs> one of us who also gave it a screw it. <laughs> I said there I were mean, things I liked in it. Yeah, hey, this fair. was one that's of them. Fair. That's fair. I just, you know, I I was a little disappointed because the kid uses his iPad as you know kind of an assistive device to to communicate, and I was hoping that they would use that for horror a little bit. I was hoping that there would be messages on it, like oh. he would be, you know, the ghost would be typing to him. No. Um, there is that. a great, there is a great <laughs> high horror. Um, uh, Stephen was so disappointed with that idea. That's so that's so overdone. We don't. I want the ghost in the iPad. I did appreciate the iPad charging scene where the kids. Oh. Ch- yeah, that was great. The kids charging his iPad and like it lights up at night, and he's like, "What's going on?" It's like plug me in i'm a sad ipad and he's like oh and he goes to get the charger and it's like under the bed and how many times has this happened to us i texted to me patrick like every about night. this about that scene i'm like that is my worst nightmare and it happens so often where i fall asleep i rely on my alarm to wake me up in the morning and i wake up at like three o'clock and i'm you know just bleary eyed don't know where the fuck i am probably like half in sleep paralysis and i look over at my phone and it's dead and i'm like are you kidding me i have to get up in my dark apartment and find a charger and like which is a you know kind of a herculean task in and of itself when you're in that state and then plug it back in wait for it to boot up which takes like 15 minutes and then make sure the alarm is set horrifying absolutely horrifying i fell for this child we take your iPad to bed, the, it comes unplugged, the charger falls under the bed, you're reaching under there to grab the charger, you can't find it in the dark, and then you feel a hand, or it, or more often in my home, you feel a paw touching your hand. <laughs> a monkey's paw? <laughs> yeah, so I like that. that this is like oh the definitive... God. We this need is, a sound cue for monkey's paw. <laughs> this is the definitive uh, plugging in your iPad at night horror movie. Yeah, I've n- I've never experienced this. I experience it at least once a week, and I fucking hate it. Um, that scene really got to me in ways it did not intend to. <laughs> really, really good stuff. So God bless Sinister Circle. Uh, I can't wait till the next one. Sinister Triangle. <laughs> well, just, or maybe it's already going to be. It might be. I hope they do all the shapes. Sinister Sphere. Sinister Octagon. Three D. <laughs> Sinister. Nanagon. Uh, so, so our next episode, we are watching not one, not two, <laughs> not three, not, not four, not, not five, not six, not, six, not, not seven, seven, not, not eight, eight. But, but we are nine. watching nine, nine Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh my God! Every what, what? Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I would ever. say nine nine point five because at least Patrick and I are going to watch the pilot for the oh, yes. Freddy's Nightmares TV series. Oh God bless! Well, you can have fun with that. Um, <laughs> nine movies is enough for me. Why do we decide to do this? I don't know, but but we're we're well on our way. On our way, and in two weeks' time, we'll be back for a special deluxe episode. Uh, none of them are on Netflix. I don't think. 
a deluxe but, Halloween episode. This is our Halloween oh yeah, special. This is, we this is going to be Halloween special. So for Halloween, we're talking about every damn Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And we should from- also note that we're going to have a very, very special guest in this journey as well. You've heard us talk about It Slays podcast, which uh, gave us a nice shout out a little while ago. And we've become big fans of them since then. And uh, Rowan from It Slays podcast is actually going to join us as our special guest for every Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever. I'm excited to have Rowan on the show. Uh, we're friends on facebook and man his his blu-ray hauls are uh they're just such a treat i love you know sometimes multiple times a week he's posting all the cool horror shit that he's bought up there in uh up there in canada um oh wow is that region can, one can, can That's only region one can only imagine how much more exorbitant the scream factory prices are up there <laughs> uh but no i think it's gonna be a real treat and i it's, need to start uh, watching it, these fucking movies because in I canada these movies were released as wait. nightmare on maple street wait you have, <laughs> you haven't watched any of them yet steven I mean, I've seen them all, but no, I haven't watched any. I'm waiting to get that box set from you, and then I'm going to watch, like, two a night for four and a half nights. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> I wonder how many you're going to give a screw it to after that experience. Chris, how <laughs> No, I love, I love them yeah. all already. I mean, I, they're, they're, I've seen most of them multiple times, but, you know, I want to be fresh. Be oh, fresh God bless. Show. Wait, Stephen, have you actually seen all of them before? Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm excited about this because I was talking to Chris and this doesn't necessarily even have to go into the cast, but I was talking to Chris and I was like, I mean, obviously they are not all great. There are, there are some legitimate duds in the franchise, but even the duds I still have fun with. And there's still something for me to like there. I just am always fascinated by the premise and fascinated to see what new surreal, like dream sequence shit they come up with and, and how well it works, how well it doesn't. It's just, it's, it's a, pretty damn rewatchable franchise for me and it's just like i would uh, i should save this for the actual episode but i would rewatch any of these movies before i would rewatch any halloween movie any oh Friday fuck the 13th yeah these movies movie. they're not all good they're mostly bad i would say like objectively but they're fun even freddy's dead which i think is the worst one in the series oh yeah chris how far along are you i've uh let's see i i kind of decided that i'm not gonna watch two again because i watched it so recently or i'm gonna just have it on in the background while i do other stuff to refresh my memory but i've watched one two three four five and new nightmare mm. i love new nightmare so much i love it too i've watched one through six i'm probably gonna watch new nightmare tomorrow i've, I've been kind of pacing like one a week um, and I'm I'm interested to rewatch New Nightmare because it didn't sit super well with me the first time, didn't hit super well with me the second time, and I'm still like hoping I, I don't dislike I, it. I've just never I gotten want you, what everyone I want else you to gets dislike out of it. it. I want you to dislike it so we can argue. I, I want to <laughs> like it. I want to like it because I, I like Wes Craven. Jerk. I love the premise. It's just something that's never really just like stuck with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the oddball on Nightmare on Elm Street two, and you can be the oddball on New Nightmare. God bless. I'm also incredibly, unreasonably, probably excited to rewatch Freddy versus Jason because it's that big Alien versus Predator energy that I love. So yeah, uh, two weeks, every damn Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever made. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be just in time for Halloween. Nothing says Halloween like falling asleep and, and getting murdered. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be a great time. I can't wait to revisit some of these movies. Um, 
So that that's that's it. I mean, that that's all we got. Can't wait to see you then. Yeah, we just hate saying goodbye, but it's it's time. Yeah, it's time to say goodbye. Put us out of our mercy, Chris. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's but, the oh my show. god, that is not a phrase. Put us out of our misery, Chris. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all we got to say. Uh, see you next time. Every horror movie on Netflix. Every Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You know the deal. You know the names. You know the Facebooks. Look us up. Do all that shit. <laughs> Text Hope- Joe to 033030. Do all that. You know where to find us. Uh, th- you, th- that's it for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steve. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> 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 <laughs>